Hello, happy Monday, and welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I am so excited that you have found me and this project. Um, This is the first full episode, so I'm really, really excited, happy for you to be here. It's going to be a little different from our typical episode, um, so just hang tight. In upcoming episodes, I will be interviewing guests, so doctors, psychologists, dietitians, um, those who suffer from eating disorders. I'm going to try and get some people who work in advertising or media who can talk about, you know, all those things that contribute to diet culture that those of us who suffer from eating disorders really wish weren't around. Um, But they are, so I want to understand them. But today, as I said, is going to be different. Uh, I'm going to talk to you, just me. Um, I think it's important that you understand who I am, why uh, I have Ed in my life, where he came from. I don't really know why, but I can at least tell you the story um, and what happened. And then also why I care, why I care so much about helping other people not fall into... um, a life with Ed. So sit back, keep driving, please, if you are, and listen. Um, and please, please comment. Let me know if you have questions. I want, I want to know what you're thinking. So here we go. I am Julia Worth, your host. I am a registered dietitian here in New Haven, Connecticut, as well as a journalist. And Uh, Today, instead of introducing a guest, as I normally will be doing, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Julia. (laughs) Already said that. I grew up just outside of Boston in a town called Reading. Um, It's a pretty normal-sized town, maybe a little under 30,000 people, and I'm the youngest child, so three older siblings. And I I did a lot growing up. I danced, I ran, played soccer. I I did a lot of school, a lot of school. I think um, my senior year of high school, I took um, like five or six APs, and I definitely took seven AP exams. So I a lot basically. Um, I was a pretty happy kid. I will say, my dad. Uh, I remember. Him talking to me about mental illness for the first time when I was maybe 11 or 12. And and he was saying, you know, some people are sad uh, most of the time. Like that's their dominant emotion. But you, Julia, you're happy. You're happy most of the time. And for the most part, he was true. He was right. <laughs> it is true. Um, but not always. And I had some some sad times. Um, Eighth grade uh, was one of them. I think eighth grade can be emotional for anyone. Um, But for me, it was really trying. I I lost a lot of friends. Uh, Girls in my school were really mean to me. Um, I actually had uh, anxiety-induced asthma. Like, I would get so overwhelmed by sense and... um, noises that I would have an asthma attack and like a panic attack so kids knew that and there was uh, one girl who would like take axe uh, axe had just come out um 
when I was in middle school, which was horrible. Uh, no boy, no middle school boy should be allowed a can of Axe if I were to make the rules. But um, she, this girl, would take Axe uh, from from boys she knew, I guess, and like spray it down the hallway because she knew I would have a problem. Um, that's how bad it was, uh, like so bad. And before that, I never had a confidence problem. Um, I don't want to say I was overconfident, but I, I certainly wasn't underconfident. And my natural way of being is confident, ready to go. I can do this. I can be the best, um, or at least I want to be. But I really started to lose it then. It was the first time I think that that happy was not the primary emotion. I didn't want to be there anymore. I didn't. I didn't want to be on Earth anymore. I. I was really, really upset. Even my mom, who uh, always thinks everything is going great for me, um, which is lovely, but sometimes stuff. Um, even she noticed that I was having a hard time. I had always been an anxious kid, like. We're not talking stress before the test. We're talking full-on panic attack if I woke up like a minute after I wanted to or if I couldn't find something. Losing something was a big stress (laughs) in my life and uh, getting lost. Very panicked if I was lost or if it was dark outside and I was alone. Um, Anxiety has been an ever-present uh, I used to get really upset in college when people would be like, oh, I'm I'm having a tough semester. I think I have anxiety disorder. And I was like, have you pooped your pants because of stress? Because if not, you you do not have an anxiety disorder or at least as severe an anxiety disorder. I don't want to like undercut them, but seriously, um, I would have full-on panic attacks that people thought were asthma, um, if I smelled something too strong, if I heard something too loud, all my senses, uh, too much. So I went into high school like that, uh, multiple inhalers and ready to take on the world, try and be happier was the goal. I joined soccer. I loved it. Um, I finally made some good friends again. I was still dancing at this point. I had my best friend there. Shout out, Kylie. You're awesome. Um, And I hadn't had any body image issues. I was 13 or 14, 14 when I started high school. Um, But at that point, I hadn't yet transferred all this anxiety um, to food. That will come later. Uh, My brother was my best friend. Um, He's amazing. He still is. I have three, but uh, he, the one who's closest to me, was there through it all in eighth grade. So he was a big mentor and buddy of mine. So when he left at the end of my freshman year for college, uh, I took a downward spiral. Um, One that I would cure with running and food. And that's really where uh, Ed started coming into my life. So I was happy with friends and school was going well, but uh, I was managing my sadness, my stress over losing my brother, uh, other things being tough in my family 
by running um, more <laughs> than I ever had and um, through food. I discovered my pyramid, uh, which is now my plate um, from the USDA, which is great. I'm never going to say that the USDA doesn't do good work in terms of putting out policies on what people should eat, but it's very tough for a middle schooler or high schooler to find, you know, you should only be eating this amount of food when you're growing and running so much. Um, that was tough. I remember, you know, my mom and dad and I all determined to stick to our my pyramid super trekker meal plans, and I was just starving. I, I just needed something else, and I would just be eating carrots <laughs> all night. Um, I ate a lot of carrots. I think my family went through at least two or three of those five pound bags a week. So that's where it started for me with Ed and it only escalated. I was not an early grower. So sophomore year of high school really was um, the start or middle of my growth spurt. I actually found out I am still growing. Um, I grew, I think half an inch and I'm almost 24 years old. So I don't know if that defies the laws of puberty or whatever, but here I am. At age 15, I was definitely still growing. And every other kid, you know, especially the girls, like, were their full height and they had a, a normal-looking woman's body. They definitely had boobs, and I didn't. I was very thin, but starting to, you know, grow into my larger bones. I've always had big bones, so... I was, um, you know, wider, <laughs> like wide hips. I kept like knocking them on desks and chairs and such, uh, the permanent bruise on the hip. So I didn't like that. Um, I didn't like that I was bigger and I knew I was only going to get bigger. So I wanted to stop it. I don't think I knew what I was doing at the time. Like I wouldn't have said I'm trying to stop myself from growing any bigger, but I wanted to be quote-unquote healthy, and um, healthy was portrayed to me as slim, and under 140 pounds. For some reason, that became like the number. I had to be 140 pounds or less, and if I was more than that, I was not healthy, and something had to change. Um I think I was only 140 pounds for like the first couple months of this effort. By the time I was a junior in high school, I certainly uh, weighed at least 150 pounds. I used to keep track on the wall and I remember it being like 151, 152 and just crying. I didn't understand. I I, I knew 140 was perfect. Um which it's not. If anybody out there has a weight that is so-called perfect, something needs to change because uh, we don't know enough to know a perfect weight for anybody. And if you're 15, 16 and still growing, uh, certainly a weight you used to be is not the perfect one. My junior year of high school, I was running indoor track. Uh, it was my second year running track, and I started running the mile, um, and then they moved me up to the two mile. 
and <laughs> I don't really know why. I I guess they just thought I might do better with a longer distance. Um, and I remember remember this day so well. I was nervous, but I felt like you know what they think they think I can do better, so maybe I will. And uh, it was at Lexington. Uh, the indoor track is like a D shape. I don't know if anyone else has run in Massachusetts or on a D shaped track, but there's literally like one straightaway that um, it's got to be less than 30 meters. They don't even run the um, like 100 or 55 meter dashes on them. So anyway, I was running 22 and a half laps on this D-shaped track, or I was supposed to, um, but I didn't make it. I started out fine. I think I ran like nine, maybe ten, at least ten. I, I had to have made it a mile, uh, going around and around and, and up with the top group, and I thought, you know, I can do this, but um, this pain in my legs was just getting worse and I'd been battling it for weeks I told myself oh it's just shin splints or or whatever and I can get through it I'm stronger I'm a distance runner um they can do anything I ran cross country this year I ran 5k's on in more pain than this um so I tried pushing and then I don't know exactly what happened but mm, suddenly my leg was buckling um not in a normal way like in a in a like there was an extra bend almost in my leg and um, I rolled down into the center of the track and uh, it's the last time I ran four or five months. I had broken my tibias, both shin bones, uh, in two places, uh, bilateral stress fractures almost all the way through and the doctor uh, told me I had to stop, stop all exercise, uh, stay off my feet. I even was on crutches for a little while. Um, looking back now on the treatment I received for my stress fractures, I just see so many places where the fact that I am a bigger person um, and not the stereotypical uh, eating disorder patient resulted in me not receiving the adequate care. They did a DEXA scan and my, my bones were strong enough. Um, they were not, you know, osteopenic or osteoporotic and um, that's great. I'm glad they did that, but they didn't ask me one question, like not one question about my eating or uh, how I felt about my body or if I was exercising outside of practice, nothing. And this doctor that I saw, um, she's really nice and she's done, you know, a lot of great work. Um, but she, you know, really thought maybe I have PCOS. And uh, I literally have no symptoms of PCOS. Um, it's a disorder where, you know, you have cysts on your ovaries. Maybe you have really bad skin. You often are uh, a little heavier, potentially developing type 2 diabetes. Um, I guess the one symptom she thought I had was being heavier. And she kept, you know, telling me, oh, you know, there's really strong, wonderful athletes who just are a little bigger. So, you know, they, that could be like you. Um, 
and telling that to a girl who's already so self-conscious, so worried that she's too big, not good enough, um, just a 16-year-old kid, actually, yeah, 16, almost 17, um, is horrible. Horrible to think that because I'm not very thin, small-boned, um, I couldn't get the treatment that I needed at the time that maybe could have prevented the development of bulimia to begin with. I really tried to stick to the pyramid, but when it got too much, um, somewhere between junior year of high school and the start of senior year of high school, I found another way. Or Ed came in and showed me another way, um, which is a horrible, horrible thing to do, but I made myself on it over and over again like all the time it would start like once a week but then there were weeks and probably months where it was multiple times a day um my throat was always sore my voice developed this like hoarse um that still hasn't quite gone away you can probably still hear it um sometimes I slip really into that hoarse voice and my boyfriend calls her Ethel um that's sweet but (laughs) I wish I didn't have her and I I didn't really lose weight I didn't gain a lot of weight but I was big I'm just I'm a big person and I bulimia is not something where you end up super super skinny like girls with or boys with anorexia um it's something where most people are average size and you would never know no one would ever peg them as the kid with the eating disorder or someone who does not getting enough energy but i was i broke both my tibias in two places my foot three times um because I wasn't eating enough, because I was running so much without enough food. Ed really took over my life in a way I have a hard time realizing now when uh, he's not here that much, thank goodness. So I started college. I went to UConn. Go Huskies. (laughs) I still love them. Um, Very sick with Ed. I I knew at that point I had this day and I talk about it as like the realization day but it was this day uh, at my parents house in July it was right after our annual family camp vacation week uh, which was probably like the climax of my vomiting episodes I think I must have thrown up like three or four times every single day there and I, I I definitely lost weight that week. I think I, you know, permanently damaged something in my esophagus. Um, My stomach, uh, acid reflux constantly. Um, And that day back at home, I'd gotten my textbook. I was going to study nutrition. As uh, many girls and boys with an eating disorder are inclined to do because they just want to know more. They just want to... Uh, be fully invested, find the best way to health. And luckily, um, as a nutrition major, I really did realize that my way of being healthy was not healthy. And I found the lifestyle I have now um, where all foods are good and 
can exercise just when you want to. Um, but I did not go into nutrition for that reason. I went in to learn how to be slimmer and how to be so-called healthier. So that day I'd gotten my first textbook. It was like Fundamentals of Nutrition. It's like black, I think by Smolin. has a big strawberry on the cover if you ever see the book. And I opened it um, to the index because I wanted to know about eating disorders. It was the first time I had, you know, realized that I had a problem, that like something was wrong. So I flipped to the index and I found eating disorders and I went to that page and looked a little bit of anorexia, but it didn't fit. That's not me. It's never really been me. And then I uh, read that bulimia consisted of powerful urges to overeat in combination with a morbid fear of becoming fat and the avoidance of fattening effects of food by inducing vomiting. I actually just opened it to read that word for word. Um, That was me. Exactly. The fear, the constant vomiting, the worry, the hiding. That's a big part. I didn't want anyone to know I wasn't okay. Um, That was me. I had bulimia. That was July 2013. I don't know if it's possible. Um, Hopefully (laughs) through this journey, we'll find someone who can tell us it's possible and and teach us ways to recover. But I don't know if complete recovery from Ed is possible. I think you know how to live with him, to live better with him, to tell him he's wrong, to pick a life where he is not the leader. I think you can learn those things. You can get better. But I always, or at least I still, (laughs) have a fear of of being fat. And and that's not okay. There's nothing wrong with being fat. Um, Doesn't matter what size you are. You're beautiful. You're a good person. And I don't always believe that. And that's bad. (laughs) So I'm still learning and it's 2019. But I am better, a lot better at least. I went through years of therapy, um, many different doctors. Finding the right one is crucial. Uh, Thank you so much to the Healing Center in West Hartford because they are really the ones who finally uh, set me on a better path. And, And just knowing that I had friends and family who cared friends and family I could talk to, uh, so important, and I owe them my life, seriously. It seems like simple to say that now, that I have friends and family I can rely on, but let me tell you, and to everyone out there who has an eating disorder or disordered eating patterns or struggles with anxiety or depression or whatever it is, um, and you can't tell someone, that's normal. It's really, really hard to tell people. Um, I love my mom and dad so much and I just want them to think I'm perfect and everything they ever wanted and I didn't want them to know this. They are the two people who have the most ability to help me, um, but I didn't want it. I didn't want their help. I told 
my dad that day on the couch. Um, but I kind of said it in a way that maybe uh, maybe it was a one-time thing. Maybe I'd just thrown up that one time uh, that day. But I didn't even tell my mom until I'd gone through like two months of therapy. I remember strategizing ways to tell her with my with my therapist and with the doctor. I was so nervous. I just approval from parents can be um, the end all be all. <laughs> it seems, but um, but don't let it be. Make sure you do tell them. Tell the people you care about because they care about you, and that is hard to learn. I don't know if I'm recovered, but I will say it has been over a year since uh, my last relapse. And I I don't know if this is a fair way to categorize relapse, but I say if it's if I throw up or if I starve myself the whole day or something. That I, if I really give in to Ed-like behaviors, if I just think about stuff, well, <laughs> think about stuff a lot, so... I don't count those because I can't always control what I'm thinking, but I can control my actions. And I I haven't relapsed in over a year, and I'm super excited about it. Um, my last relapse was October 2017, which is like there's a whole calendar year in between that date and the current date. So that is so exciting for me. Um I didn't know I was going to make it, but really thanks to just the constant support of my friends, uh, my boyfriend, especially my parents. Uh, they've been everything in this. I'm finally finally getting better, and I'm here, <laughs> and I'm talking about it, which is awesome. Um, and I just want people to know that even if you do relapse, um, that doesn't mean you're back at ground zero. My first therapist, we did not get along perfectly um she she filmed me during uh meetings which was weird and that made me uncomfortable since I was really terrified of mirrors at the time so it wasn't the best match but she said something that has stuck with me for a long time and that was that you never go back to day zero truly you're, even if you relapse, you're further ahead mentally, physically than you were before. And when you lose track of the days, like I don't even know how many days it's been, when I don't think about it, when I've lost track, um, I guess we must be at like 300 something, over 60, because it's been over a year, maybe even 400. Um, well, when you lose track, that's when you're doing well because Ed's not there and you're not combating him all the time. So today I'm in a place where I don't think about Ed every day and I don't throw up ever really. You know, it's been more than a year. Um, and I do get stressed about it. Uh, definitely my boyfriend can tell you that. Um, but... It doesn't control me, and I think I've got a pretty good control on it. So, how'd I get here? Um, talking about it. 
honestly, I think the more I've opened up about it, the more accountability I have, whether it's to my mom, my dad, my friends, now you, uh, more accountability, the the less likely I am to do something because I don't want to let let you down or let them down. And that is maybe not the best reason. Maybe I should always do it because I want to be healthy. And, and sometimes that is why. Sometimes I'm like, you know what, Julia? I want to run the best race I can run. And I did that this year, this October. I finally broke four hours in the marathon after eating for a full year. After training with a lot of break days because if I was sore, if I you know, felt a little injured, I took a day off and, um, and I've never run better. So sometimes it's me that motivates me to, to not let Ed in, but sometimes you need an external motivator. So, so that's the number one thing that helped talking about it. Number two, leaving behind the things that make it hard. Um, that was really vague. Uh, dance. Okay, so I love to dance. I love dancing. I love, I love moving to music. It's amazing. But dance itself, the the people, the the way that you line up in like size order and how y- you know you're constantly being measured actually. Just this weekend, I pulled out a measuring tape because I I needed to know what size bridesmaid dress I had to get. Um, and I measured my waist, and I didn't even think about it. I've, I haven't ever done that since dance classes, but I, I didn't think anything of it. And um, I my waist wasn't as small <laughs> as I guess I thought it was, and panic. I... I had a full-on panic attack, tears, crying, uh, shaking. It was horrible. I just stuffed it away. Uh, I actually asked my boyfriend to put it away. Uh, His name is Dylan. I think I'll probably mention him a good amount, so you might as well know his name. But uh, he had to put it away for me because I could not touch uh, the tape measure. So, so yeah. So, I stopped dancing because it... It was toxic. I just constantly felt like I was judging me. Other people were judging me. And I miss the movement and the music. Um, but in order to let my body be how it needs to be, um, I had to stop. And running. I, I switched to long distance. And that might seem odd um, for me. Like typically long distance runners are the smallest and I'm not small. Uh, just FYI, I'm like 5'9 and, and I don't know how much I weigh because I try my best to not step on a scale, but I'm, I'm not small. So, so long distance running seems weird, but it's actually fantastic. It has the best culture of people you could imagine just half marathoners marathoners people who do road races are so supportive there is every kind of person out there um man woman anything in between 
big, small, all ages. I think a man who was turning 80 years old ran his, um, you know, 50th or something half marathon next to me while I was running my first and we finished together. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what you do. You can run distance races and you get a medal at the end. (laughs) I guess I never was a fan of the, like, everyone's a winner, but like, Anyone who runs a marathon is a winner. That's, you just put your body through the unimaginable. You just proved how strong you are. And yeah, yeah, you deserve a medal. Um, So I guess I leaned into running, really made it who I was. Um, Didn't matter what my times were. It was all about finishing and just doing it. Number three, I had to want it. And I I think maybe this should be number one, um, but it's the third one I realized. That even if I had accountability from friends and family, and even if I had running as my, my partner and my tool to get through this, if I didn't want it, uh, if I didn't want to get better, um, I wasn't going to. So I know that, you know, lots of us have friends who need help and we want to do everything to help them get them to the doctor or the therapist or just outside if they haven't been outside in a while. Um, But they need to want it. So approaching it from that angle, from how will this make them better, not just healthier, but happier um that's the best way I knew I was missing out on a lot when Ed controlled my life and I I wanted that I wanted to be able to be in a relationship I wanted to be able to do well in school to perform well in sports I wanted I wanted a life I didn't want Ed to have my life so I told you I'd tell you why I care why I want to do this so badly um guessing everything I just said and everything I've been through kind of explains that to you. I I just don't want anyone else to go through this. I don't want other girls to think or boys that their body isn't good enough, that they need to be a certain way to be healthy and happy. And those are the only two things you should really care about when it comes to your body. If you feel good and it's doing everything you ask of it, you know, like running a marathon or um, just getting your butt to class, then you should probably thank it and not try to change it so much. The other reason is just to get people to understand. I didn't talk a lot about the many, many times I have had the conversation as I came to think of it um, about Ed having to explain to everyone who became close enough hey I have an eating disorder I have bulimia Um, throwing up is terrifying for me I hate my body don't take pictures just so many things I had to explain Um, how I got there and why and where I was and 
with recovery and, and so on. And it's exhausting. It's also really hard to have everyone think you're crazy. Um, I will admit I am a little bit crazy, but not in this way. It's I didn't choose this. I don't actively say like, oh, you know what? Throwing up is a splendid idea. Let me go do it um, because everything will be better. No, uh, Ed told me that. I, If I seriously think about it, it's lunatic. It's insane, but it's not me. And to have people, you know, constantly being like a little bit scared of you, unsure, not understanding you. I don't want I don't want everyone to know someone with an eating disorder because that means there are too many people with eating disorders and and that's bad. But I do want everyone to understand what it's like to have one and how to be a little bit more compassionate. Maybe not saying, "Oh, I feel so fat after eating." You know, just a normal dinner or even a slightly larger dinner. Maybe just eat it and be like, wow, that was delicious. And think to yourself, next time, I don't need to eat like six servings if you feel bad. If you don't feel bad, keep eating six servings if it's what your body needs. Uh, Maybe not, you know, constantly talking about dieting. Maybe choosing, you know, to compliment someone on the work they're doing or even like the clothes they're wearing but but definitely not like oh you look thin that's awesome or like you look so great just just don't it's not always about you know if someone's thin or not so that's the other reason trying to get everyone out there just to understand what it's like and what they can do um, to help those who have um, an eating disorder so um, that's my story, and I'm so happy <laughs> that you made it to the end. If you did, I'm very impressed. I think I just sort of rambled for the last half an hour, but please come back. Every other week, I will be talking to someone new, so next next week, so not next week, but two weeks from now, come back, uh, join me and my dear friend, Tara, Um, she's a former collegiate athlete, um, a very spiritual person, someone who's gone through an eating disorder herself, and she's going to talk to us about what it's like as an athlete in a sport that's way more competitive than anything I've ever done, um, and she's going to talk to us about how she found healing through, um, spirituality. So come back February 11th, 2019 for episode two. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate it, follow, or subscribe, depending on the platform you listen to, and tell all your friends about it, family, you know, anyone. Um, I want everyone out there to hear a little bit about what life with Ed is like. Check out my blog, worthyourwild.com for updates. Email me, worthyourwildnutrition at gmail.com. Comment anything. I promise I'll read them all. Um, And have a great week. Kill it out there, guys. And remember, all foods fit.